It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill, plus take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed, and together, we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill, plus take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed, and together, we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Jake Watroba, and joining me today is Armand Kafai and our special guest, Joseph Lowry of The Athletic. On today's episode of the show, it's part one of our recap of the weekend that was MLS. If you haven't already, please go back and listen to Monday's episode where we speak with USL Executive Vice President Court Jeske on all things USL. You can follow the show on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, you can find the show on any major podcast platform. Now, let's get to today's show. Fellas, how are you guys doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm feeling alive. You know, MLS is really ramping up. It's really hot in Dallas, so, you know. It's you hot in Dallas. Outside. Okay, we get it. You live in, like, Death Valley or something, man. Relax. Like, it's not. Like, <laughs> you on, don't get man. that. Like, you don't get that humidity in Arizona. No, we don't, thankfully. We only get, like, 115, and, and we just try to stay hydrated. Let me, let me tell you, 115 doesn't feel as hot as, like, 95 with 70% humidity. That's probably oh, I 100% agree. I, I was in D.C., and I had that. Um, it was, like, really humid. And I was just was walking outside, dripping in sweat. It was disgusting. I think we had that a uh, couple like a week ago. I was at our evening and I was interviewing players. I just started sweating during interviews, and I was under a shade. And it was kind of like I don't know if embarrassing is the right word, but like I like had to stop and like scratch my nose, and I was like, "Oh, I'm actually sweating." And like my back, yeah, it wasn't a good. Let's not get into detail. It wasn't a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Joseph, how are you? Obviously, like having time of your life over there in Phoenix. I'm doing well. It's great to be back on, guys. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you. Let's dive right in here. A lot of things happened in MLS this week. We had Wayne Rooney deciding he was going to leave DC United for Derby County. Zlatan hammers MLS's playoff system. Mike Petke is fired as RSL manager. And Christian Pavone is loaned to the LA Galaxy. But before we touch on all of that, 
let's start with our opening takes. Armand, what is your opening take from this weekend? Well, guys, this weekend in MLS, I thought was one of the most entertaining weekends of MLS that I think I've personally ever seen in the regular season. Now, Jake, you got a tweet, and you said you were more entertained by MLS than that Premier League's opening weekend. That made me go, wow, Jake, that, that's, that's a lot. It made me think there was so much action in these games. There was four matches with five or more combined goals. No team had a clean sheet this week. And it felt like, it genuinely felt like the playoff race was really heating up and teams wanted to go all out. There was so much quality action and wild results. I mean, we saw Colorado knock off arguably the hottest team in MLS in the San Jose Earthquakes. We saw Seattle, New England play to a 3-3 draw. We saw Dallas and Minnesota have an eight-goal thriller where Dallas pulled out a 5-3 win. So D.C. beat the L.A. Galaxy without Lucho Acosta and Wayne Rooney while Galaxy had Zlatan. So LAFC and Red Bulls play a slugfest. It was overall a really fun weekend of MLS. And if this is what's going to come, I'm excited to see how the rest of the season goes on. Yeah, no doubt, Armand. I thought just watching the Premier League matches this weekend, you know, it's the opening weekend. You're excited. Oh, what what, what is Liverpool going to look like? Obviously, that was Friday afternoon. Oh, what's Arsenal going to look like? What's Man United going to look like? What's... City going to look like Leicester and Wolves. Can they challenge the top six? Can they somehow sneak in there, maybe qualify for the Europa League? And it was all kind of a dud, to be honest with you. Man United steamroll Chelsea, Liverpool steamroll Norwich. Leicester and Wolves, I believe, played to a nil-nil draw. Not a whole lot to be excited for, but... If you're a New England Revolution fan, I believe you have a lot to be excited for. My takeaway from this weekend is the Revs showed they were a legit MLS Cup contender this weekend. Sound crazy? Well, let me, let me lay it out for you guys. The Revs grinded out a 3-3 draw in one of the most hostile environments to play, uh, to play at in MLS in Seattle. One of Bruce Arena's men's most gutsy performances since taking over the Revs just a few months ago. Entering Saturday's match, the Sounders were 8-2-2 at home this season. So obviously, CenturyLink Field is not an easy place to play. And guys, here is a key stat for you. One I think really tells a lot of how the Revs have played under Bruce Arena. The Revs, because of their poor start this season, have put themselves behind the eight ball of sorts. They're not likely going to host an MLS Cup playoff game come October. Now, here's a good stat for you. On the road under Bruce Arena, now just six matches, a little bit of a small sample size, the Revs, three wins, zero defeats, three ties. And I think that just tells, I think that just illustrates a beautiful story. I think this team is set up to perform well in the playoffs. I think this team is capable of getting big results at places like NYCFC, DC United, Atlanta United, even. And I think Bruce Arena has this team set up to be very, very sneaky come playoff time. Joseph? 
Well, Jake, you mentioned the Revolution as a potential MLS Cup contender. And if if the New England Revolution are fortunate enough to make it into the actual MLS Cup, they're probably going to have to run through LAFC in the final to, to actually win that trophy. My take uh, at the start of this show today is about a specific player. Armand talked about the league. You talked about a team. I'm going to focus on Eduard Atuesta, LAFC's second most important player. Not, uh, not Diego Rossi, not Mark anthony Kay or Latif Blessing, not any of their center backs, not Walker Zimmerman, but Eduard Atuesta. He sits at the base of midfield, dictates the tempo. He sees space, I think, uh, maybe better than almost any other player in MLS. He checks his shoulder consistently, which is so key to being a high-level midfielder. Uh, he's got a great right foot, and I think he might actually be the best central defensive midfielder in MLS. I know I know there are a lot of other high-quality central defensive midfielders. I mean, you've got Diego Chara, Ozzy Alonso. I mean, Eric Ramirez is not bad for Atlanta United. You have all these names, Alex Ring for the for the NYCFC, the list goes on. But I think Atuesta is maybe the most talented, the most fundamentally solid, and the player who's the defensive midfielder who's most key to his team's midfield operation. Well, there you have it. At Joe and Cleats, if you want to send any of your Atuesta takes to Joseph Lowry there. Armand, what do you think about that? You think that's a little, a bit of a hot take? I know you had some disagreements about this earlier today. I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd say he's the best. I think he's up there, and I think it's what we're kind of grasping at straws, or I'm just going to do it for the sake of playing devil's advocate. But man, you mentioned Eric Rometty. I think Eric Rometty has done a fantastic job with Atlanta United, and I mean, I know we're really focusing on uh, this year, but last year he was fantastic, and this year he's really stepped up as well. He stepped up in that Open Cup win. He stepped up in the midfield, uh, you know, kind of helping out his defensive duties. And you know what? I, I really like Ramadi, and I, I think it's a little bit of an underrated aspect of how we don't really talk about these defensive players or defensive mids being so like strong for teams. I think Ramadi, Diego Chara even, and Atuesta are all just critical pieces of each of these each each of their respective teams. I think that's one of the key characteristics of a team that wants to compete for an MLS Cup, one of these defensive mids and Maybe I don't agree with Atuesta being a, a top one. Maybe I, maybe I thought Romadi over him, but at least top two. And we're just, and it's, it's honestly an argument of one A, one B, one two three four. But I mean, it's probably a little bit of devil's advocate right there, Joseph. I don't know. Just points <laughs> to review a little bit from your 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 I guess your popular take. You want you want a little bit of a of a take to end the segment. Uh, I think Atuesta is going to get sold for at least eight million in the next year, maybe year and a half. And to clarify, you're spitballing. I'm spitballing. I'm spitballing. Guys, I'm always spitballing. You don't know anything. You got, you got, you got to clarify. You got to clarify. Sorry, I, I, I forget. I forget that I have to do that now. Yeah, I'm spitballing. <laughs> well, there you have it. There you have it. And I guess this is a great time to segue to our main topics to, tonight on the show. You mentioned at Twesta possibly leaving LAFC. Let's talk about another big, important player for their team moving on. Wayne Rooney is leaving D.C. United at the end of this season to become a player coach for Derby County. Rooney has 23 goals in 43 MLS appearances for D.C. United. Jason Levian, co-chairman of D.C. United on Rooney departing for Derby County at the end of the season. This comes from ESPN.com. We never thought that Wayne was going to stay here forever. We anticipated probably being here the full length of his agreement with us, but we're good and we're in a very different place 
than before Wayne arrived. Since signing with the club late in June of 2018, DC United has a record of 21 wins, 10 losses, in 12 draws. Now, Armand, give me your initial thoughts on Wayne Rooney leaving for England. It's it's difficult because I mean I think you understand it from Wayne's side. Obviously, it looked like it sounded like from the reports that his family just didn't really acclimate to life in America. And, you know, to go back and potentially coach and you know get a jump start in his career it makes total sense. For DC, it's an absolute disaster. Um, I know uh, Stephen, who won't be on the show today, is you know was really excited about this Rooney signing. And you know what? Overall, you know, two years of good Rooney is better than none. But if you're DC, you set yourself up where you open this cathedral of soccer in D.C., and Wayne Rooney's a masterpiece. I mean, I have a program from the first game, and it's Wayne Rooney. The whole hype was Wayne Rooney. Every You go to a D.C. United game, the first game I went to, we want Rooney. We want Rooney. Like, they want Rooney there. And from an, from an on-the-field standpoint, we kind of got a glimpse of what they might look like uh, yesterday when they played the Galaxy, you know, kind of bunkering, you know, uh, and then countering on, on, you know, countering back, kind of not, obviously not to the level of Atletico Madrid, but the same philosophy and, and style. And that was without Lucho Acosta and Wayne Rooney. Went with grit and grind and not really finesse like they have been doing with Rooney. And uh, it's tough because marketing-wise, Rooney is so critical. This guy is a legend. This guy is an absolute legend. And now he's gone. It sucks. And uh, if you're a DC Knife, and I can see why you'd be very upset. Uh, obviously. If you watch the first part of the game, uh, there was no sound from supporters section. That was actually a little protest and saying, hey, what are we doing now? Looks like they contacted Mesut Ozil, but it looks like it's for his coffee shop opening an Audi field. And like it looks like they had some interest in Daniel Sturridge, but like that's just a moot point. All these things, they're gonna miss his on the field production as well. But off the field, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. And hopefully DC's attracted enough buzz to where, hey, look. That, that's not that big of a deal anymore, but I, I, I don't think that's the case, guys, especially with the investment they made in him. Yeah, Armand, I, I totally agree. I think DC United are frankly going to be in a tough situation after the season. Their identity is wrapped up in Wayne Rooney and Lucho Acosta, and, and it looks like they're likely going to be losing both of those players over the offseason. They don't have really a, a perceivable on-field tactical identity outside of you know playing through those two guys and, and hoping that Paul Areola can pull something out in the final third. There's, there's really no clear path forward, at least in my opinion, as someone on the outside for DC United that's, that's not going to come without some, some pretty painful on-field results over the next you know, year. That's my opinion. I think the signing of Ola Kamara is a little bit underwhelming, frankly. I don't I don't think he's he, sure he's a productive, somewhat productive MLS goal scorer, but I I don't think he's enough to to really lift DC into the maybe even into the playoffs next season. I think sure he'll score some goals for them, but he can only do so much. So I'm of the opinion that DC United are going to be hurting next season unless they can really sort of start to establish a fundamental on-field philosophy and make some actual transfer signings. I mean, bringing in Felipe and Emma Boateng are, are fine for temporary depth moves, but they're going to need some real real organizational overhaul in terms of their on-field personnel and maybe even their, you know, their coaching staff to try to get the team back on track next season. How does a team deal with losing two guys like Rooney and Acosta? Like you guys have illustrated, this is, this is kind of a big deal. DC United has put themselves behind an eight ball now. 
what do they do next year? What do they what what well, I, what is possible for them? I mean, they should have started preparing for this, and and maybe they have. It doesn't seem that they have from the outside. They should have started preparing for this a year or two a year or two ago. I mean. Just the team that I cover, Phoenix Rising, signed Didier Drogba a couple of years back. And and from the moment he signed, uh, from the moment his first season ended, they were preparing for what life without Drogba was going to be like. And I, I don't think DC have done that. They haven't prepared uh, from a coaching standpoint. They don't have they don't have any of the pieces that's necessary to to make success happen sort of after their star leap. So all I have right now is questions, frankly. I, I think they're going to be starting a couple of squares back from where they are right now, I guess. A good place to begin if you're DC United is trying to trying to develop some sort of organizational identity, whether that's, I suppose, bringing in another marquee signing and, and putting your identity in that player and hoping that whoever that guy is can get you back into the playoffs or, or if it's actually doing more of an organizational overhaul. But I, I fail to see many options besides those two. How stupid does DC United look for not selling Luciano Acosta last year? Oh, I mean, you look beyond stupid. I mean, obviously, hindsight's, uh, you know, twenty twenty, And, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. I did not believe the reports when they came out that, you know, he would resign. There was no way. And you read the profile from, uh, from Pablo Maurer. He came out and said, he was like, I was watching PSG win the French style and thinking that could have been me. That's all you got to know. And it's obviously affected his form. He was benched last night. There was no reason for him. They didn't even bring him on late. Uh, he... He hasn't been the same player he is. He looks, it looks, it looks, it looks terrible. Now they're about to lose both players for free. Yikes! This is a not not a good look. Um, and DC was revitalized with the addition of Wayne Rooney, and revitalized with Luciano Acosta's Lucharu the uh, combo between the two. Lucharu's Acosta's production went up significantly, and now it's just crashing all down, and it looks. Very stupid. It looks dumb. You pay 250k in target allocation money for Emmanuel Boateng. I mean, relative, that looks like a lot. For context, obviously Justin Mira might be a little bit older, but Atlanta United only paid a hundred thousand uh, dollars in and some other monopoly money for him. Like overall, like it's just it's it, it, look, it looks dumb. It looks dumb in hindsight. I feel like they were a little greedy towards the end, and they lose both for free now. I guess that's how it works, right? Listeners, be on the lookout for part two of our discussion with Joseph Lowry of The Athletic, which will be available tomorrow. You can follow the show on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod, and make sure you follow Joseph at Joe and Cleats, Armand Kafai at Armand Kafai, and yours truly at Jake Watroba. For Joseph and Armand, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. 
Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.